Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome to Israel and You. Israel and You is the radio podcast voice of Israel Team Advocates International. Our work is mainly uh, on college campuses where we advocate for the Jewish people in the state of Israel in a time of growing anti-Semitism. You can follow us on Facebook at Israel Team Advocates. You can follow us on our website at IsraelTeam.org. That's IsraelTeam.org. And you can follow the work that we're doing in Nights to Honor the Jewish People, in seminars on college campuses to try to stand against this growing tide of anti-Semitism that's spreading across uh, America today. So we're going to speak on the program today about the Feast of Hanukkah. And the Feast of Hanukkah 2021 is Sunday, November 28th through Monday, December 6th. So what is this feast all about? Should Christians embrace it? Should they practice it? So today we're going to understand what this feast, Hanukkah, is all about. The question is, did Jesus practice the Feast of Hanukkah? And the answer is yes. In John chapter 10, verse 23, it says, At that time the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. And so this says in the scripture, the Feast of Dedication. So what does that have to do with this feast we know as Hanukkah? Well, Hanukkah actually means dedication. And what are the origins of this feast? Like several other feasts of the Jewish people, Hanukkah is a celebration of God's deliverance in the face of impossible odds. In the Passover, for example, God's raised up one person, Moses, to deliver his people from 400 years of slavery. In the book of Esther, God raised up Mordecai to appeal to Esther, the Jewish queen in a Persian empire, and he said to Esther, who knows whether you have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. He was drawing uh, her to the wonderful conclusion that God had raised her up Uh, in her place of influence and power to save her people. And so young Esther appeals to the king of Persia who had written a decree with this evil man named Haman to totally annihilate all of the Jewish people in the 127 different providences of Persia. And so the lesson is it just takes one. It just takes one person to stand in courage against the culture of the day. So Hanukkah has some of the same characteristics. In many ways, it is a prophetic forecast and parallel of our day today. So here's the backstory of the Feast of Hanukkah. More than 150 years before Christ, in the intertestamental period, what is that? It's the 400 years between Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, and the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament. An evil Syrian king named Antiochus Epiphanes was in a war with Egypt, and after a humiliating defeat, Antiochus Epiphanes withdrew his armies and headed back up north to Syria. Well, Israel is sandwiched in between Syria and Egypt, so on his way home, 
he decides to take out his wrath. He's so upset or losing this war, take out his wrath on the Jews in Jerusalem. So he destroys part of the city of Jerusalem, and then he begins to plunder and murder many Jews. He and his army break into the temple of God and set up an altar to the Greek god Zeus. They carry off the sacred vessels of the temple to finance his military campaign. Then Antiochus Epiphanes commands that only pigs be sacrificed on the altar in Jerusalem. He then makes broth out of the pig sacrifice and pours the broth over the scrolls of the word of God in the temple. And Antiochus Epiphanes is really one of history's most brutal dictators. He pollutes the temple, and at that time, Greece ruled over the Middle East and controlled Syria and Egypt, and Jerusalem is caught in between. Antiochus Epiphanes, who's loyal uh, to Greece, the Syrian king, uh, he begins to worship the gods of Greece, and he himself believed that he was an epiphany or manifestation of the god Zeus. That's where his name comes from. He changed his name to Epiphanus, Antiochus Epiphanus. He was an epiphany uh, or a manifestation of Zeus himself. He was a megalomaniac, this, this man Antiochus Epiphanus. And Syrian officers spread throughout Israel like the Nazi SS, and they would not allow the Jews to worship the God of the Bible. Uh, they could not observe the Sabbath nor teach their children the Torah. And Antiochus Epiphanes is known by the Jews as Antiochus the Wicked. So Antiochus was attempting to destroy Judaism and silence and neutralize the faith of the Jews. You know, Hitler years later would attempt to do the same thing. He was really out to destroy Judaism and the faith of the Jewish people. He burned down on the night of the Kristallnacht, the night of the broken glass. Hitler and his henchmen, they burned down 250 synagogues, dragged the scrolls out of the synagogues, and burned them in the street. Much like Antiochus the Wicked or Antiochus Epiphanes had done these years before Christ. So at this same time, Greek philosophy known as Hellenism was spreading across the Middle East. Antiochus forced the Jews to submit to the religion of Hellenism. And amazingly, half the Jews clung to their faith, while the other half embraced Hellenism, idolatry, and the worship of Greek gods. Israel, you can imagine, it was in a cultural war, a great divide between the remnant of the righteous and those embracing Hellenism was taking place. And Hellenism focused on the physical development of the body, reason, knowledge, and the worship of many gods. Hellenism proclaimed polytheism, which is the worship of many Greek deities. The Jews historically believed in only one God. So you can imagine the cultural divide that Hellenism is bringing into all of Israel. And Hellenism promoted the worship of the self over the worship of God. And remarkably, under pressure from Antiochus Epiphanes and the Hellenistic religion spreading in the region, many Jews began to bow before Antiochus Epiphanes in worship 
and embraced the Hellenistic Greek religion and philosophy. The godly Jews who held to the Torah and the commandments and the covenants of God were seen as antiquated and too stubborn to embrace the new wave of Greek culture and philosophy. Many rejected the covenants and commandments, and many of those who would not comply were murdered and tortured. Mothers who chose to have their babies circumcised, according to Jewish law, Many of these mothers were crucified on crosses with their babies and murdered. Think about that. The faith of Hebrews 11 actually talks about this righteous remnant of Jews who were being oppressed by Antiochus Epiphanes and who refused to bow down to the gods of Greece. It says in Hebrews 11.35, others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might obtain a better resurrection. There's a story of a, a priest in a small village at this time. The Syrian officers came in like the SS Nazis, and they demanded that this priest, even though they knew he would not eat pork, they demanded that he make a, a sacrifice of lamb and then tell all the people in his village that he was actually eating pork. And he said, I refuse. And so they, they murdered this priest. We can see that in our day there is a direct parallel to the story and the feast of Hanukkah. Our day, you know what it is? It's, it's the worship of the self. So many people are just so committed to even the selfie on their iPhones, you know, taking pictures of themselves. I remember when I was a kid, the, the magazine People came out. And then a few years later, another magazine came out entitled Us. And then the next magazine was called Self. And I'm waiting for the day when another magazine is produced and published called Me. In the last days, the Bible says people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Even the high priest, Joshua, during this time of Antiochus Epiphanes, he embraced Hellenism and changed his name from Joshua to a Greek name, Jason. He even oversaw the construction of a gymnasium. Interestingly, the first gymnasium to be built in the Middle East was built in Jerusalem. And so the high priest and many of the Jewish people began to worship the physical body and worship the self. And there are many parallels to Christianity in our day. Many Christians have set aside the word of God and rejected the commandments of God. They cherry-pick the scriptures, only accepting the things that bring them gratification. As evil rises in America, many Christians remain silent, afraid to be seen as antiquated and outdated. Many Christians want to take a stand for righteousness, but they have been neutralized by the culture, and they fear that they will be seen as you know, historically uh, void of, of any content, so they, they just remain silent. Uh, humanism has swept into Christianity. Humanism is the belief that mankind is able to solve the world's problems. That's sweeping uh, the faith today of Christianity. Epicureanism is sweeping Christianity. It's a Greek philosophy and religion, which is the love of pleasure or hedonism uh, above the love of God. And hedonism is the highest good, according to the philosophy of Epicureanism and, and how that is coming to the church and sweeping the lives of so many Christians. It's like the old story of the frog in the kettle, where if you put a, a frog into a cold pot and then uh, begin to simmer the water just very slowly, the frog will not jump out of the water and he'll boil to death eventually. I remember a few years ago, 
in the 2012 election when one of the issues was uh, same-sex marriage. Uh, I wrote an article for the Chicago Tribune called Why Same-Sex Marriage is a Very, Very Bad Idea. And I looked at it from a sociological perspective. If you change marriage laws, uh, the culture will disintegrate. And when you open up and change marriage laws, then everything is possible. Uh, There can be a 45-year-old man that marries a 12-year-old girl. And I remember uh, the vice president at that time said that the, the issue is, who do you love? And so they began to design a way to destroy the law of marriage that God had established. A marriage is between a man and a woman. And so uh, I wrote this article about why it's really a bad idea for our culture and society. And I got 900 hate letters to the church where I was pastoring at the time. There were death threats upon my life. And so I decided, like Queen Esther, I'm going to write a decree And I talked to my friend John Waller, who's a songwriter, and he wrote a song called uh, The Decree for America with with Big Daddy Weave. They wrote it together. And we amassed a group of Christians, a small group of Christians, across the state capitals in America. And we read this decree, and and I gathered some uh, uh, seminary professors and a uh, uh, president of a Christian university, and uh, some pastors, and we wrote out this decree. And the decree really had three sections. One was traditional family values. We decreed that marriage would be between a man and a woman. We decreed life, and we talked about uh, the scourge of abortion and the sacrifice of babies, and we decreed that this law of Roe versus Wade would change. And in America, we would no longer sacrifice babies on the altar. And then we decreed that Israel, the Jerusalem in Israel, would be the eternal capital of Israel. And so it just takes a small group of people to turn a nation around. And, you know, we, we prayed that decree and proclaimed that decree on all the capitals of America. And Jerusalem, a few years later, became the capital. According to the United States, we moved our embassy from Tel Aviv up to Jerusalem. And right now in the Supreme Court, uh, it looks like, you know, they may favor a change in the Roe versus Wade uh, law. And we may stop sacrificing babies in the United States of America. But it was just a few Christians that that spoke this decree, prayed over this decree. And I know Christians are praying right now what's happening within the Supreme Court. But the point is, it just takes a few uh, to change a nation. So when we come back on the other side, we're going to look at how Hanukkah is a direct parallel to our day today, a prophetic parallel. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Hi, I'm Aaron Free, president of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is a nonprofit organization that advocates for the Jewish people and the land of Israel. Our work is mainly on evangelical college campuses where we're seeing a growing tide of anti-Israelism and anti-Semitism. The social justice movement is falsely proclaiming that Israel is violating the human rights of its neighbors. As well, critical race theory now 
now being taught on evangelical institutions, proclaims that Jewish people are white colonial settlers who have settled in a land that does not belong to them. This, of course, is untrue. 55% of Israelis are non-white. There are a quarter million Ethiopian Jews living in Israel, and over one million Arabs call Israel home. According to the FBI, there has been a 350% increase of anti-Semitic incidents in the last two years. As well, 70% of evangelical young people hold to a negative view of Israel. If this trend goes unchallenged, evangelicalism will be anti-Israel within 10 years. Israel team needs your help. We are building centers for understanding anti-Semitism and the rebirth of Israel on evangelical college and seminary campuses. We do presentations about how the Nazis took over college campuses in order to brainwash the minds of young German Christians. We're building bridges of understanding through our nights to honor the Jewish people in churches nationwide. Will you help Israel Team stand in the gap to fight the scourge of anti-Semitism? Israel Team has received a matching grant, and every dollar you give to help us build a bridge for the next generation will be matched by January 1st, 2022. You can donate today by going to our donate page at israelteam.org. And for your donation, we'll send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt, The Alarming Rise of Anti-Semitism, and What Can Be Done to Stop It. Be sure to leave your mailing address in the comment section so that we can mail the book out to you. Help us meet this matching grant by going to our donate section at israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel in You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back to Israel and You, and we're looking at the Feast of Hanukkah and how it relates to our day today and talking about how it just takes one to stand up against the evil of our day. Someone once said, silence is evil's greatest ally. Someone else said, those who do not speak out against evil command it to be done. During the Holocaust, German Christians were silent. Many feared for their safety and so remained silent. Many others gladly complied with the Nazis and willingly turned in their Jewish neighbors. In Auschwitz, there's a railroad tie that stands vertical in the courtyard. And there's a quote on the railroad tie by Ian Kershaw that says, The road to Auschwitz was built by hatred but paved with indifference. In other words, many people were indifferent to the plight of the Jews, but silence helps the victimizer, never the victim. Sometimes we must interfere with a culture that is attempting to plunder our Judeo-Christian values. Edmund Burke, an 18th century English statesman, alerted us that the only thing necessary for triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Nobody makes a greater mistake than he who did nothing because he could only do a little. So think of Esther, a young woman who saved her people. She simply called a prayer meeting, and that simple prayer uh, changed the plight of her people who were about ready to be annihilated. So right now in America, there's a spirit of intolerance. The unrighteous have no tolerance for the righteous, and the pressure is on good people to comply with the demands of the day. Napoleon Hill said, When the dawn of intelligence shall spread over the eastern horizon of human progress, and ignorance and superstition shall have left their last footprints on the sands of time, it will be recorded in the last chapter of the book of man's crimes that his most grievous sin was that of intolerance. And I don't remember any time in my lifetime where America has been this divided, where people are being 
intolerant of others. We cannot submit to the spirit of our age, which is filled with hatred and intolerance for the values of the saints. We must be courageous, and courage sustains itself in the face of difficulty and finds the strength to persevere boldly to face evil and danger and threats, fear, uncertainty, and intimidation. Courage is the most important of all virtues because without courage, you and I can't practice any other of the virtues consistently. All through the history of the world, just a few courageous and committed people brought about monumental change for the goodness of mankind by their actions. When brave and committed people make strong stands for what is right, the spines of others are stiffened to destroy evil. Remember, in the world in which we live, God always has a remnant. God only needs a small minority of faithful people to push back against the evil sweeping our land today. God always has a remnant. So as Hellenism swept through Israel and Antiochus Epiphanes, this epiphany of the god Zeus, raged against the righteous who would not comply, God raised up a father. His name was Matthias. He was a pastor, a priest known as Matthias the Maccabee. And the Syrian soldiers came to his village 15 miles north of Jerusalem, and they ordered him to sacrifice a pig on a pagan altar, and he refused. And he and his sons broke down the pagan altar and fought against the Syrians, and they fled into the Judean wilderness. That one act of courage inspired many people to follow Matthias and his family into the wilderness where they were hunted down by the Syrian army. Again, the book of Hebrews chapter 11 talks about this period of time. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. <clears throat> they wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. That's Hebrews eleven thirty-seven and 38. There's so much pressure for the righteous to comply with the demands of our culture today. Many are hiding their lights under a basket, and they have been neutralized. By take, talking about their faith, they may be seen as fanatics, so they remain silent. Matthias and his sons led an underground campaign to defeat the Syrian Greeks. And after the death of Matthias, <clears throat> one son, Judah the Maccabee, assembled a large contingent of the remnant and drove the Syrians from Jerusalem and broke the back of their reign of terror. Soon after, Antiochus Epiphanes died of a disease and his empire crumbled in ruin. Judah the Maccabee then cleansed the temple and the oil of the temple that lit the lights of the temple, the candlestick, uh, had run out except for one small flask of oil. And it takes eight days, according to Jewish law, to reproduce uh, oil for the temple. But the oil <clears throat> in that little flask caused the candle within the temple to burn for eight days. And so the Jewish people say a miracle happened here. So Hanukkah is known as the Feast of Dedication because uh, Judah the Maccabee, he rededicated and he cleansed the temple. It's also known as the Feast of Lights. So the Jewish people, they light the menorah where there's eight candlesticks and there's a ninth candlestick, which is the servant candle. And so every night for eight days, they light uh, one of the candles to celebrate the Feast of Lights and the Feast of Dedication. The day in the Jewish calendar when the temple was rededicated was Kishlov 25, 
takes place in November or December every year. And many believe over the centuries that Jesus was born on Kishlov 25, and that's why we celebrate Christmas on December 25th. So could it be? It's, it's possible. But others believe that Jesus was conceived on Kishlov 25, and then nine months later was born on the Feast of Tabernacles, because the New Testament says that Jesus came to tabernacle among men. So it's interesting. Jesus said, I am the light of the world in John 8:12. He also said to those who follow him, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. So let your light shine before men, Matthew 5, 14. So Hanukkah for Christians, it's really a time to cleanse this temple because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the New Testament says. And it's a wonderful time to cleanse our hearts. And if there's any double-mindedness or sin within our hearts where we have complied with the culture of our day, it's a time to rededicate our lives to the Lord and let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Antiochus Epiphanes is a foreshadowing of a future ruler that will persecute the saints, known as the Antichrist. And Jesus said in Matthew twenty four fifteen, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet uh, standing in the holy place. So Daniel talks really about Antiochus Epiphanes. He also talks about a future Antichrist in the time of the end that he himself will stand in the temple and proclaim himself to be God. So that seems to indicate there's going to be a third temple built in Jerusalem. And this future leader will be civilized and sophisticated, even seem peaceful. But once his power is sealed, he will be enraged against the people of God, particularly against the Jews living in Israel in the city of Jerusalem. And Daniel the prophet speaks in great detail about Antiochus Epiphanes 400 years before he is born in Daniel chapter 8, beginning with, uh, let's see, verse see nine out of one of them came a little horn so many bible uh, prophet guys say that antiochus epiphanes is the little horn which grew exceedingly great toward the south toward the east and towards the glorious land it grew great even to the host of heaven and some of the host and some of the stars it threw down to the ground and trampled on them it became great even as a great as the prince of the host and the regular burnt offering was taken away from him and the place of the sanctuary was overthrown and a host will be given over it together with the regular burnt offerings because of transgression and it will throw uh, truth to the ground and it will act uh, and prosper then I heard a holy one speaking and another holy one said to the one who spoke for how long is this vision concerning the regular burnt offerings uh, and transgression that makes desolate so what was happening was anti uh, Antiochus Epiphanes was causing the temple to be desolate he was stopping the the burnt offerings and then Daniel goes on in another chapter in Daniel Daniel chapter 7 and he talks about the end times another Antiochus Epiphanes one who will stand in the holy place and uh, bring abomination and desolation to the temple and so we're living in this day when the spirit of the Antichrist has gone into the world And we're either going to comply with the spirit of Antichrist that's in our world today, 
just like in the days of uh, Hanukkah, uh, 150 years before Christ. Uh, we're living in the same kind of day today. People are lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. And the saints of God, we can be inspired by uh, Judah the Maccabee, this one man, because he had a godly father, he stood up against the spirit of his age and he won a great victory. It just takes one to stand up. So I encourage you during this Hanukkah season that you'll light the Hanukkah candles, you'll celebrate the Feast of Lights, you'll celebrate Jesus the Messiah as uh, the light of the world and you will be a light yourself and your light will shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Happy Hanukkah to one and all. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.